0: Hello everyone and welcome to Dragon Time. Yes, Dragon talk. hello. I am Greg Tito. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast and we have an unofficial employee here hosting with us.
1: Unofficial employees? That mean I get unofficially paid? Yeah. Cool. Well, you
0: get officially paid, but it's not, you know, you're uh, the, you're the contractor.
1: I'll take it. Cool. Yes. Hi, everybody. I'm Grav Gulati. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. I'm wonderful.
0: You have the
1: rare uh, uh, gift of doing the intro for your own interview. That's wild. So I can just say anything about me? Yeah. Okay. Hi. I'm Grav Um I was a male model of the year for uh, three years <laughs> running. Um, and, uh, uh, as well as sexiest man in America. Yeah. 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 yeah, For only two years. That last year, they robbed me. I know, right? The Rock? Yeah. Mm, Really? Again? Okay. Uh. Whatever. Anyways, uh, <laughs> right now I uh, live in Los Angeles and I do uh, uh, stuff for Saving Throw, which is a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Saving Throw. And uh, we've also done stuff with uh, Wizards of the Coast, which is why I'm here. We've That's right. We've done The Broken Pact. We are about to start season three, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, or do I talk about it now? Sure, talk about it now. Okay. Broken Pact season three starts on September 9th uh, at 8 p.m. Pacific time, or it might have already started by the time that the podcast is out. That's true. Um, but yeah, check it out. Uh, we have two seasons on YouTube and we're also going to be doing an Eberron show pretty soon. I know.
0: Very excited to talk about that in our interview portion Mm -hmm. uh, because there's just, I I don't know, there's something really cool about A, the Ravnica stuff that's happening in Broken Pact and how you guys are going to Avernus. I can't wait to get into that. Uh, As well as, you know, what makes Eberron really cool. Yeah. Uh, We just announced uh, Eberron rising from the last war coming out on November 19th, so not that far away, um, and it is a huge book. Mm-hmm. Uh, 320 pages, I yep. am told. So yes. <laughs> the size of Dungeon of the Mad Mage and uh, the three core rule books, so yeah. big one I, uh, out I, there.
1: I got it printed myself, and I was like, oh, it's, it's double-sided, so it can't be that big. Uh, nope, it was gigantic. It is a tome. It is a uh, textbook. <laughs> there is so much in there, uh,
0: you know, tons of uh, player information for uh, a dragon Marked re- uh, versions of all of yes. the races in the Player's Handbook. Uh, an entirely new class. Mm-hmm. The Artificer uh, is there with three subclasses. Uh, so that's the first new class that's been released Officially, for the game yeah. since you know, 2014. Player's Handbook. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's, that's insane to me. Yeah. Uh, so that's exciting. Plus there's lots of setting information about what's happening on the... Um, continent of Corvair yes. in Eberron. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you know called Rising from the Last War. So there was just like this huge conflict between these five nations yeah. on that continent, uh, and you, you, you jump into as as the setting, uh, you know, a couple years after that war and seeing what's happening. And and um, there's a new race in there. There's the Warforged you mm-hmm. can play as. There's three other races in there as well. Um, and I'm I'm blanking on what they are, but they're all very interesting and cool.
1: Yeah. Um, there's Shifter, Changeling. Yes. And one more, was it goblinoid as a race? Because they have, like, hobgoblins now and stuff. I think that's right, yeah. Maybe that's what what it was. I know, right.
0: Um, But, you know, in in a a, uh, nutshell, it's like those pulp adventures from the 1930s um, with the idea of magic as the um, basis of most of their technologies. Mm -hmm. So they have a lot of modern technologies you might see in, like, turn-of-the-century or or 1920s or 1930s literature. Yeah. but all of those technologies are based on uh, the prevalence and commonality of magic within this world, which yeah. is really fantastic.
1: If there's a technology that existed like 50 years ago that was like electrical or whatever, you could probably put it in an Eberron with magic. Like they have walkie talkies, they're like stones of speaking, I think they're called. Yeah. Basically, br- stones with like runes on them. And- yeah, walkie-talkies exist. Yeah,
0: yeah, right, exactly. Laser
1: guns, yeah, uh, basically.
0: Laser exist. guns. They have, yeah.
1: they have guns. Right. Yeah.
0: Lightning trains, oh, uh, airships, yeah. uh, all types of fun, uh, amazing stuff. So, so, so much cool stuff. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, so again, that's November nineteenth, uh, and uh, it'll be in stores. And available everywhere.
1: Yes. Uh, on that date. And that alternate cover looks gorgeous. If you it haven't does. seen it, yet.
0: so good. I know uh, that's by Vance Kelly, who did uh, Morning Canaan's Tomopho. So if you like that cover, you'll 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 dig this for sure. Um, and then we also have uh, Tyranny of Dragons coming out, which is uh, a, a, a republished kind of a, a celebration of five years of Fifth Edition. Um, so Tyranny of Dragons was the first storyline that released with the um, core rule books in 2014. Uh, and there was in two volumes. There was uh, the uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Rise of Tiamat. Right. And so we're combining those into one volume. Oh. Uh, as So, you know, making sure the introduction is a little bit... Easier for for newer players. We definitely learned a lot uh, from, uh, you know, playtesting it for four years, five years. And so it is uh, kind of a smoother curve in the beginning. Lots of material that was only available online is going to be in this book. Um, There's also a really cool gallery of concept art for you know Dungeons and Dragons in general, but very you know all about uh, dragons uh, uh, that you know, as far as we know, has never been seen before. So right. you'll see that some of the concepts uh, for how designing these the, the the physical appearance of these dragons kind of evolved for fifth edition. Um, that's in there, and uh, it's got a new new cover. Ooh, by cool. Hydro seventy four. <gasps> cool with a Tiamat on the cover. Oh. Uh, so Wait, is there,
1: it. Is, can I see this? Can I? Is it here?
0: It is. We'll, <gasps> we'll show you an image of it. Okay, but, cool. Uh, we've, we've put it out there. It's on uh, on the Twitters, uh, but you'll see it there too. So uh, cool. Yes, that's <gasps> what it looks like. That's
1: gorgeous. Yeah.
0: I love Hydro 74's uh, covers in this. Having the five heads uh, wow. arranged on the book just looks amazing. It
1: really feels like a celebration of it. That's so cool. Yeah. That's um, really
0: nice. And that's only available in game stores on October 22nd. Okay,
1: wow. Yeah, so cool. go
0: into your local game store, tell them you want that, and uh, and then pick it up. It'd be really cool. Uh, Speaking of things you can get in game stores, we have uh, the standing statues uh, by our uh, friends at WizKids. Uh, It is a two-scale model, uh, you know, it's about 30 inches tall. Two-scale uh,
1: for miniatures.
0: Yeah, two-scale. Not scale, for real life. Yeah, for the pre-painted miniatures <laughs> just, you get from WizKids. Um, of one of the standing statues from uh, Waterdeep. So, you know, uh, better late than never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm still in You're the throes st- of, of, of de- mastering my uh, home game of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Yeah. So I'm excited to, to incorporate that into our play. And it's not way. like you
1: couldn't repurpose it for any setting, honestly. Oh, for sure. It's just a giant, you could even give it stats. I don't know if it has stats in the book or anything. Anything. It's just, a, no, it's just like it's, architecture, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, the
0: story behind the standing stand, we did a lore you know on this, but just to recap, you know, it was um, they're under the control of the Blackstaff. Okay. Uh, so, whoever is controlling that, I think it's uh, Vajra right now, um, she can uh, animate these oh. to protect the city under, uh, under attack. That happened about 100 years ago. They're supposed to go back into the astral plane, but they didn't okay. this time. So, they've cool. been in the city <laughs> for about 100 years and haven't moved. Or done anything, so people have built around them, built in them. Um, there's a restaurant, I think, in uh, the Winged Man yeah. uh, statue, which is a, almost looks like an arachokra. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's one that I really like that is uh, has a floating orb, so Ooh. it's a statue with an orb that floats. You know, ten feet above uh something, and a wizard has his sanctum inside the orb <laughs> that's awesome, yeah, as his as his abode, uh, yeah, so I think that's really cool. on
1: the actual uh figure that you guys are uh putting out there, you could see there's a little bird's nest that you told me, so it does look like it's lived on you yeah know, like around, so you could tell there'd be like a little like building next to it with, like graffiti or something, so you could even put paint some graffiti on it, you know
0: absolutely oh that's a cool idea, yeah, to make it, make feel it yours more lived in, yeah, um so yeah, that's available in game stores now uh as well as lots of. Pre-painted minis for the battle. Uh, I was going to say battle for Avernus, but it's Baldur's Gate: Descent, Descent. into Avernus. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of devils and demons in those minis packs. Uh, we we had a small little gathering here for Pax West last night, and uh, so many people were excited to pop those open and see yeah. what they were going to get. Uh, and there was a lot of really creepy demons and devils in there.
1: Yeah, and the War Machine was there as well. That's right. You have to play with that, with all the removable pieces, and minis can go inside. I mean, you have it right here. It's so it's, cool. It's beautiful. Yeah, I know.
0: I love the Infernal. War machines, uh, and they did a great job designing them. And uh, those are a version of those are going to be in the Beadle and Grimm's Platinum Edition for nice. Baldur's Gate: Descent to Avernus. So I can't wait for that too, uh, for people to check those out. Uh, I've been seeing Matthew Lillard uh, be be tweeting about sending those 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 out. Uh, I don't think they're going to be out there when uh, the adventure comes out on September seventeenth, uh, oh, but okay. they'll start sending them out very soon after that. Gotcha, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, So, yeah, there's tons of stuff coming out on September 17th. So there's this adventure, Mm -hmm. uh, Baldur's Gate. There's two covers for that, the alternate cover um, by uh, Hydro 74, as well as uh, Tyler Jacobson's painting of Zariel uh, with her sword kind of behind her, uh, which is actually on display up here in the D&D office, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, There's also the Dungeon Mayhem expansion battle for Baldur's Gate, Two new characters, two new decks that you can play with uh, in
1: Dungeon Mayhem. Have you played any Dungeon Mayhem? I have. Yeah, I got a copy of it at uh, one of the D and D events we did earlier this year. Might have been a TwitchCon. Actually, might have been at TwitchCon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I remember it. I think. Uh, yeah, it's a really fun, like, very small box that you can bring anywhere and play anywhere. It's a very fun game. Yeah, yeah. My
0: uh, my kid, you know, eight years old. She's like, hey, can we come play this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. She's like, I'm really good at this game. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> uh, so it's very easy to learn, easy to pick up, and uh, I think it's a great way to get some some D and D adventuring imagination happening. Yeah. Uh, in there for sure. Um, so cool. New new characters in there, uh, Minsk and Boo as one. Oh, deck. That's, oh, cool. Yeah, that's one so you, character. that's yeah, great. Yeah, so you can play as, uh, as, as, that, as that tag team. And then Jahira, uh, the shape-shifting druid from uh, the Baldur's Gate series of video games nice. is also in there. Uh, well, Minsk and Boo is from them as well. Right, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's really exciting. Uh, there's also the dice set. Uh, dice and Miscellany oh. Baldur's Gate, uh, Descent to Avernus, that has uh, beautiful-looking dice as well as uh, two dice trays, essentially, that you can open up and roll dice within a felt line so it has that nice little... Nice. When you roll them down. Yeah. Um, And then tons of uh, uh, D&D material in there. like a map of It's the maps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think I got the similar one for Ravnica last year where it was like the maps of the the guild's uh, locations and stuff. Very cool. Very wow, cool, helpful. Right? Yeah, so helpful as a DM and sometimes as a player too, just having it in front of you is great.
0: Yeah, there's the size guide
1: in there, I think, for like how big the devils and demons are oh, cool. uh, that you might
0: encounter in yes. Avernus. Um, I think there's a trinket list in there Ooh, too. Cool. Like I just Fun little flavor things. That I just really... Um, You know, beyond the dice, which are super cool. Yeah. They have that, you know, that red, gold kind of feel to them uh, that uh, matches the aesthetic of this adventure. So uh, look for that also on September 17th. Excellent. I will. Uh, gosh, Extra Life is coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, We, uh, have, it's the seventh year that Dungeons & Dragons has participated in Extra Life. Raised, uh, more than half a million dollars over that time, and we're excited to, uh, continue to raise money for the kids. Yeah, awesome, for the
1: kids, yeah. (laughs) I've done it for the past two years for Wizards, and I think a couple years before for Saving Throw, and it's always just an amazing time raising money for kids. Like, it's one of the best feelings. It
0: is, yeah. I mean, you know... Having a, having a kid going to a hospital just sucks and, and yeah. so having something there uh, for them to play and latch mm-hmm. on and get excited about um, uh, that's what, that's what this, is, yeah. this is all for and uh, we'd love for everybody to participate you know uh, either by uh, donating to one of our pages I think I have some pages up there for Dragon Talk so if you want oh, to be nice. interviewed on Dragon Talk you can donate a lot of money and oh, we'll cool. make it happen. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be really cool. But even if uh, you want to just contribute a little bit, um, I will read a, uh, a, a few lines. I think I said 100 words oh, okay. uh, for folks to That's a lot of words. To, it's a lot of words. That's a good right. deal. Yeah, right? It's 100 bucks for 100 words. Yeah. I thought, you know, donate it for the kids and we'll, yeah, do, that's it. Great. we'll do it up. Um, and uh, I'll be doing those closer to when we have our uh, week long celebration, Mm -hmm. um, where we'll be doing a lot of uh, drives on the Twitch channel to uh, raise money for stuff, and so uh, look for people on the D&D team, as well as an Adventurers League, to donate to, and you'll get some other fun stuff. Uh, There's a custom ink you can also get T-shirts uh, oh. they are designed by Amy Tanji here in the office. They're really cool. I think the Slobber Chops one is up now. Slobber Chops. Slobber Chops yeah, that's is awesome. a tressum, uh which is basically okay. like a demon cat. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so those designs are up uh, now on Custom Ink uh, for uh, Extra Life D&D. Again, designed by Yami Tanji. She's a fantastic graphic designer. She does a lot of the the t shirts, apparel, as well as graphic design for the books. And uh, these are some of my favorite she's ever done. One of the reasons I like it is because there's a trussum on the front, mm-hmm. and then on the back there's uh, the trussum like scratching. Oh, uh, uh, so there's like lines of fabric ripping uh, behind it too. Well, that's cool. I just thought that was a really neat. But it's
1: not really like fabric ripped on me. the shirt. Like you're not taking away fabric from the shirt to have this effect, right? Oh, God. Part, like,
0: part of me wants to. Like
1: those denim, you know, yeah. jeans that come with giant holes. You're like, why did I buy this? It doesn't make any sense. I can make my own holes. <laughs> uh
0: okay, well now we're going to we won't do that, I guess, now that you're saying that. I mean,
1: hear. if you're going to go into every store and just take a knife and just <laughs> cut them, who's going to stop you? I'm not. <laughs>
0: That's true, right? That's it'd be authentic if it was if you were doing it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh but uh, of course, you know, uh every t-shirt contributes to our uh, Extra Life donation fund, so uh, get it out there. It's a great way to get some D&D Absolutely, details. yeah. We pass out a lot of them here from the d and office, but I know people always want uh, to be able to get uh, more apparel out there, and this is a great way to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Help the kids. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so we'll be doing more stuff around Extra Life, like I said, around uh, Saturday, November 2nd. Uh, so, so look for that and more um, programming on here for it. Um, what else can I tell you all about before we get to our lore you should know? Oh, uh, lots of comics are coming out. Oh! Dungeons & Dragons, Infernal Tides, uh, will be coming out November 30th. That is with Jim Zub as the writer. He's done tons of comic stuff for us in the past. Doing the Rick and Morty, uh, with oh. Patrick Ralfus, as well as, uh, his long-standing partner, Max Dunbar, uh, as the artist, um, taking the characters from... Baldur's Gate. So Minsk and Boo are, are in uh, their little That's party. So cool. uh, and they've gone to uh, Storm King's Thunder uh, as well as, uh, I think they even went to Barovia. They did? Yeah. Oh, my god. And now goodness, they're going to, to, to Hell. So uh, check it out. That's uh, you awesome. You can see the continuation of their story. With I will. Infernal Tides.
1: I just got the uh, trade paperback for uh, Rick and Morty versus D&D. Nice. Oh, so good. I love that stuff.
0: I know. Uh, and then, of course, it's PAX West uh, right as we're recording this. So, Literally now. Uh, so, <laughs> Incorporated live show will be done by the time you're listening to this in podcast form. Yeah. Uh, but Jeremy Crawford is leading a wonderful crew. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Anna Prosser uh, return as Evelyn. Oh, nice. Uh, so, she'll be playing on the main stage uh, along with uh, Jim...
1: Jim Dark Magic Omen drawn. Uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube at this point, probably. I would say, probably yeah, most likely. likely. If
0: not, it's going to be within the you know next 48 hours. Nice, uh, but very exciting. Hopefully, you watched it live on twitch.tv slash Packs, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we'll I uh, know I'll be in the audience waving. Oh, and, nice. and Yelling green flame as it as it all happens. I'll
1: be in line trying to get a seat, probably. <laughs> so this yeah, gets packed. It in can there. be hard. Yeah, it's
0: very good live. Though. It's not at the Benaroya this year. Oh, Did it's know not. No, no, I didn't. It's at the Paramount.
1: Theater. Oh, that's that's a bigger theater, I think, isn't it? I think it's a little bit less. Oh, is uh,
0: it? Yeah. About, it's a little bit less. I think only like 200 seats less, But Oh, I um, see. Okay. But I, I like it because it's uh, more of a proscenium, you know. It's more grandiose, uh, isn't it? It's grandiose, it? Yeah. right. It's got that yeah. kind of old-school Broadway Theater feel. feel. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that'd be exciting. Hopefully that doesn't change the the vibe too much uh, from Madcap Fun.
1: Oh, sure. yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh,
0: but if you get uh, excited about playing in that type of, you know satirical work uh, office environment, yeah, um check out Acquisitions Incorporated the source book. Uh, there is so much information there to start your own Acquisitions Incorporated franchise or encounter some of the NPCs that you will see on stage yeah. uh, at PAX West. So check it out.
1: Yeah, they have some really fun character options too. Like a, yeah. a, I saw a documenter in there and I'm very excited to try out this <laughs> scribe that does uh, magical documents.
0: Oh man, I feel like the Azoria Senate That's should That's exactly
1: have... what I was thinking. Yeah, the Azoria Senate would love to have documenters as an official title. Like, oh, that would be really cool. So good, yeah. I think you should just make that canon like there is documenters. in Africa. I'll talk to Ruben. Absolutely, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like your little... Familiar or yes,
1: something. like a homunculus. Yeah, oh, so good. Oh, yeah. that'd be
0: so fun. Um, so yeah, no, I, uh, there's there's so many uh, different flavors of D and D coming out. I'm excited about. Yeah, uh, you know, we've been saying you know the Baldur's Gate stuff. Uh, Eberron is coming out, which is a totally different flavor. Yeah. Actions Incorporated, uh, in, you know, incorporated all this com- yeah. comedic, <laughs> satirical uh, feel into it. So uh, no matter what your flavor of Dungeons and Dragons is. Uh, we are putting out stuff for yeah. you to consume. So. It's a
1: busy last half of 2019. Right.
0: Wow. Wild. I know. And we didn't even mention Baldur's Gate 3. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah. yeah. The game, yeah. They're
0: working on that called oh. Crazy Larian Studios. Studios yeah. It's here in Seattle right now. Really? They were filming us. Uh, I know they're filming some community uh, videos that they like to do for... Getting people excited about Ballers Gate 3 oh. in the development. Uh, I don't know if you saw the last one, but uh, Sven, the uh, head of the studio, was dressed in armor. Oh, I did see that, here yeah. Here in the Wizard's office trying to convince uh, <laughs> Mike Merles and Nathan Stewart to, to green light the yeah. game. Uh, it's... <laughs> The height of acting. It's good
1: stuff. <laughs> it's worth it for the enthusiasm alone, I think.
0: I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh some 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 are better at acting than others. But yeah. you know, it's like taking people who are like, you know, we're game yeah. designers and making them uh, uh, you know it's it's really neat. Right, yeah. yeah. Imagine
1: your boss dressed up in armor trying to convince your other boss trying to do something. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. How fun.
0: I know, and I've and I've been around them when they've made a couple of these community videos and it's so exciting the how uh, the I don't know, the, the, the fly-by-night kind of nature of it. They just yeah. kind of make it up as they go along. And yeah. I just love that idea of... Uh, the head of a company, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> participating so much in these like goofy videos, and yeah. you know, and it really works. It gets the team really excited about what they're doing. Yeah. you know, as the leader, as well as getting the community uh, an insight into uh, their enthusiasm. You're right; that is what really comes out.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy having like a boss that is like so hands on with the the products that they're developing. Whereas like older companies are like, yeah, the boss just sits in his office and just signs memos or whatever. This guy is in armor, like doing something in camera. Like yeah. it's crazy that, that that's who we were when we were kids we wanted to do that growing up and they're doing it they're now they're doing it it's great I know they right? rule the world they rule yeah. the world yeah.
0: I, I dig it I dig it so much and they've uh, everybody at that studio that I've met is just so passionate about what Dungeons and Dragons can do as well yeah. as what Bald- the Baldur's Gate storyline so I can't wait to see that the next chapter, you know. So this is the Baldur's Gate to Sanduivernes. Uh, kind of sets the stage for yeah. what's going to happen in that game. So, so cool! I can't wait. Yeah,
1: me neither. Larian's such a good studio too. God, I know. I love Divinity, so they're yeah. gonna, they're going to kill it with that one. I,
0: well, and that just felt like an homage to really to, to old school, you know, D and D video games. So mm-hmm. it's it's a match made in heaven for yeah. sure. Or in the Nine Hells. I can't tell. Oh, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, as uh, I, I, I said, uh, Eberron is coming out, and that's a whole different flavor. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to talk to Chris Perkins about yeah. some lore. Let's do it. From Eberron. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's listen in. Cool. We got some bings and bongs happening right about now.
1: Bing bong. Bing
0: bong. Bing bong. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another segment of Lore You Should Know. I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by... Chris Perkins. Hello, sir. Hi there. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that you have firsthand knowledge of.
2: Yes, it's a subject I have uh, researched tremendously over the years and uh, am passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) I'm delighted I'm getting paid to talk about it. (laughs) Uh, It is, of course, uh,
0: trolls and how more trolls are created in the D&D universe. Trolls.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: How does it happen? Uh, Because trolls in uh, uh, traditional lore as well as in Dungeons & Dragons lore, they regenerate.
2: They... Yes, the D&D troll has a long history of regeneration, going back all the way to first edition. Um, their parts fall off and they grow back.
0: Yeah, and yeah. does that mean that if like uh, uh, if a hand falls off, will it grow a whole other troll off
2: of it? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like if you chop off a troll's hand, yeah. like put the hand somewhere, will another troll come out? No. No, okay. Uh, the largest portion of the troll will regrow what it's missing. The smaller portion of the troll will atrophy and die.
0: Okay. Because that was one of the theories that was put forth in the, the social media yes. question about yes. how do trolls get made?
2: Uh, although there's there's range to play. Yeah. You know, in a storytelling game, if you want to chop the head of the troll, plant it in the ground, maybe you can grow a new troll from its head. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. Yeah. And then then it just... has to dig itself out. Like. <laughs> And
0: then it wants to kill yeah. you.
2: This has nothing to do, however, with troll sex. So we should really talk about the life cycle of a troll. Yes. In terms of lore. Yes. But we should talk about what kind of troll we're talking about. Because, you what know, if you're talking about internet troll, they don't have sex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, that is true. They don't have uh, a life cycle.
0: We, and I still don't know how they procreate either. But it just seems don't. to, yeah, it's a contagion yeah, uh, right. that's out there. Uh,
2: but if you're talking about the traditional green skinned, warty, Troll with a carrot long carrot nose. Yes. So there was an article in Dun sorry, not Dungeon. Dragon magazine. Yes. Issue three hundred and one. Three hundred and one? Yes. By Paul Leach. It was called The Ecology of the Troll, which oh. talked about how trolls get it on and the <laughs> They put on Marvin Gaye. Yeah, anything (laughs) helps, right? Uh, You do what you got to do. One of the things that's interesting to know is that in these relationships, sort of like Klingons, trolls are the – troll females are the aggressors. Ah, I see. Uh, And so what they do is they essentially beat each other up to get to the mates that they want and then they beat up the mates into submission uh, uh, to make it happen.
0: Ah, Okay. That's interesting. Yes. And, and that was uh, only introduced in this, this
2: Dragon article? That, that was the first time we really got into the details because typically in monster manuals and things, we don't go this far down the troll hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's not, the, that's not the last
0: of the puns that I think will be will be had in this episode. Yeah,
2: so um, they, we tend to deal with their more combat-pertinent things. Right. Like, can they get their hands back when you chop them off? Yes. Uh, so this was this, this, so the first time we really kind of went down and talked about how, how trolls make other trolls. Okay. And it's, uh, trolls don't have eggs. They basically, as written, once the female has gotten herself pregnant, yes. she gives live birth to a troll very much the way that normal people do. Yeah. Um, and the troll grows fairly quickly. Um, after a few years is... More than able to hunt for itself. But I always thought that, you know, you really, there's a lot of room, I think, here creatively to do something maybe a bit more interesting with like mating rituals or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I always thought it would be kind of fun if, like, uh, you know, male trolls had to go down into the Underdark to find some Underdark mushrooms that they had to eat and consume to enormous degrees and then, you know, it passes through their system, and they poop it out, and they rub it in their hair, and that's how they attract, you know, a, a female <laughs> troll mate. Um, <laughs> <because> <laughs> Not trolls, how I thought you were gonna, that was, the story was going to end. Trolls are disgusting, evil creatures. They're, yeah. they're filthy, they're cruel, they're crass. So I think anything, anything we can do to sort of up the ante as far as their hideousness goes, yeah. I, I would assume their mating rituals are pretty appalling to look at. Um, yeah. I I, I agree. Um, another way to go is to say, you know, well, the, the 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 male has to gnaw off his you know, a part of himself and the female has to eat it. Wh- <laughs> and that's how it's you know, that's insemination to a troll. You oh, know? Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so Essentially the troll is – the baby troll is grown out of a piece of the male eaten by the female. Wouldn't that be cool? But that's not the lore as we technically know it. The lore is uh, female, jumps male, gets what she wants, goes off, has a baby. Male's like, what happened? (laughs) Are troll – are they solitary creatures? Are they uh, – Trolls will gather in packs, um, marauding groups. You can encounter them solo, the ones who have no friends, um, who live in caves or under bridges or whatnot. And just hunt on their own. The thing is, trolls are chaotic evil, so they don't have a structured society. Yeah, uh, they're it's basically bully or be bullied, mm-hmm. and um, they're always hungry.
0: Okay, so it's maybe more akin to like um, uh, a black widow spider or something like that, right. where like where the you know the the female controls the the mating mm-hmm. cycle. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter. Correct what what the yeah. male troll wants.
2: Right, <laughs> and yeah, he's he's gone at that point. Yeah, she's she's giving birth to a baby, and then. The, there's no dad parenting yeah. that happens here. There's very little mom parenting. As a matter of fact, the mom will look after the kid until the kid's big enough to hunt for itself, and then off it goes. Yeah. See ya. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, is uh, is it a other other than that mating ritual? Is it a matriarchal setup? You know, do, generally speaking, do, uh, yeah. The female trolls rule
2: those packs. In general, if you if you see anything close to a troll den, mm-hmm. there will be a A matriarchal figure in charge of it. Um, In some cases, in the past, in in adventures and things, we've had um, we've we've talked about the female trolls being a bit smarter than the males, and consequently, they can do things like maybe even learn spellcasting. And you could have like a shamanistic matriarch leading a den of trolls. Mm. Um, That's been done before. Yeah, Uh, they don't tend to make good wizards, though. Right, they're 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 very primitive. Trolls, level, second level. understand religion in a way, um, at least, this you know, the ones who are together in a den where they have some semblance of a society, sometimes a religion can emerge, yeah. uh, and typically they worship a figure called Vaprak the Destroyer. Vaprak? Yes. Vaprak! He is a, a hideous, hideously powerful troll that lives, well, I should say it, it's... Not clear whether it's male or female um, lives in the abyss right. with demons, and so when you grow up with demons, you tend to be a bit of a badass. And Vaprak sort of certainly qualifies. And trolls hold him up as, oh, mighty Vaprak, super high. I want to be like him, right?
0: And that would be a they probably rather than a than an it, but yeah, um, unclear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that's that's interesting. So would would the um, worship of this deity. Uh, create that society to a certain extent, like you know that yeah. that might be the glue that it holds together be, yeah.
2: the community. It could also be just um, a bit of religious BS. Some um, troll wants to dominate other trolls and concocts a religion based around Vaprak and the the terror and fear that he instills to hold them together yeah. and maintain their power. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, fascinating though that they. Uh,
0: you know, try to create this society out of nothing when they can just, uh, you know, go around and hunt. Speaking of societies out of
2: nothing, um, trolls are not that picky about what they have sex with, apparently. Oh. That's how you end up with two-headed trolls sometimes. Well, uh, in old school, we're talking here. Um,
0: You mean first edition? Yeah, like
2: you can have... uh, The fifth edition troll entry mentions that sometimes a troll's regeneration goes wrong. Oh, okay. You might chop off its head and it will grow back two mm. uh, instead of just one. It's rare sort of abnormal abomination kind of stuff. Yeah. But I remember the first edition theme folio had a two-headed troll in it, and uh, the, s- the story behind those is that uh, trolls mating with ettins.
0: Right. Which And, would, so. and they're in the same humanoid family-ish. Yeah.
2: It, it all fits.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 the story. The story fits. Uh <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, and yeah, I never really thought of what, what, what the troll regeneration was either. Like, is it a type of, you know, uh, I, don't, I, I hesitate to say cancer, but something like that, like where, where, where <laughs> cells regenerate quicker than. than, than
2: yeah, it's, a, it's like super iguana stuff. Yeah. You know, in the same respect that iguanas are, or not. Uh, is it iguana that regrows their tail? I don't remember. Uh, well, it's a particular. Some lizards. Yeah. yeah, some lizards do. Uh, it's just a heightened version of that. Trolls are quasi magical in a way. I think the regeneration has always kind of been portrayed that way. These are not just purely creatures of nature here. That's why the regeneration is so extreme. Um, yeah, because it can it, happen in yeah. rounds rather than... Right. Yeah. And then there's the whole thing about the loathsome limbs, which was <coughs> a feature of trolls in 1st edition that got lost over time, mm. sort of winnowed out of the troll entry and was brought back with 5th edition, the idea that... Excuse me. <coughs> it's
0: all that chocolate you it's just all, yeah. Right yeah.
2: <laughs> Choking on an m M&M. <laughs> um, uh, Death by M&M is not a bad way to go.
0: Well, on a microphone. You know. it,
2: exactly. So, uh, where were we? What are we talking about? You're
0: talking about uh, the loathsome limbs?
2: Yeah, this idea that the troll... Po- <laughs> <laughs> can't say the word troll. I think
0: uh, Zapprak is, uh, yeah, exactly. is cursing troll you. Troll
2: parts can continue to function after they've been cut off.
0: Ah, right.
2: And so the severed hand or arm can crawl toward you and attempt to strangle you. The severed head can bite you. It can't move because it's got no arms and <laughs> legs. So it just sits there and waits for something to land in its mouth, I guess. But the idea that the severed parts do have a life of their own would suggest a highly magical nature.
0: Yeah, and what they were they were magical creatures mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> when that was a designator right. at some point, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, that's a good question. They're typically categorized as giants oh. in the game, um, mostly because they're bipedal and large. Ah. So ogres, trolls, ettins, they're all part of that extended giant family. That's why I lump them together. Right. Yeah. But the regeneration aspect of them does set them apart from most common giants, which tend not to have magical abilities. Yeah, right. Um, so they're almost qualified as monstrosities in a way.
0: What about the oni? How do they fit into that
2: family? They're also classified as giants. Okay. Uh, the oni, um, uh, which is uh, sort of a Japanese giant... Um, was originally part of the Oriental Adventures setting of first edition, a, a monster, a ogre-like creature with magical abilities, mm-hmm. s- spell-like abilities. We collapsed Oni and what used to be something called an ogre magi yeah. into one creature because they were the ogre mage of first edition was very much like a um, a spell casting ogre. Ogre, yeah. And so Oni, Ogre Mage have sort of fused into one. And they're, like trolls, kind of hateful, un- yeah evil entities. Oni are even worse because they're smart. Trolls are dumb. Onis are smart. They do bad things for bad reasons. And they also like to kidnap and eat children, which is not really that fun a thing.
0: I mean... Trolls would do that if they could figure out how to do it. Right. So yeah. it's frightening, frightening yeah. the way the y- that you're y- saying y-
2: kind of like boogeymen in a way, magical mm-hmm. giants yeah. who sneak into your closets and wait until the lights go out before they jump you and drag you off through an open window. And the 5th edition art kind of supports that kind of like, yeah. that like kind of creepy Whereas, whereas feel. trolls dwell in the fringes of society are instantly recognizable because they have no guile yeah. and um, are just ravenous feeders of all things. They will eat whatever they come across, whether they're hungry or not.
0: But I like what you're saying about um, how they're able to breed with all of these creatures mm-hmm. kind of more easily. Yeah. Um, you know, having a troll Oni hybrid might explain yeah. why one of them is a spellcaster or right. one of them is smarter enough
2: to kind of get more under their will. Yes. Yes. And the w- wonderful thing about trolls, since we're talking about them in general too, is they're very versatile. They can show up anywhere. Underground, above ground, in the mountains, in the woods, in the hills, you know, yeah. under a bridge, by a river. They They're one of the actually few kind of iconic D&D monsters who have no real preferred terrain type. Yeah, they, they're they everywhere. Now, granted, you might not find one under a volcano because trolls don't like the fires. <laughs> That's the one thing that can get rid Fire of Fire and acid is the thing that neutralizes their regeneration. And if you want to ensure a troll's permanent death, you, of course, burn the remains or you douse them in acid.
0: Yeah, and uh, you already give a few ideas about how you could Change up their life cycle or 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 mm-hmm. do different things you know for using them in your game, yeah uh, that would make them more exciting than just you know hit point bags um exactly so yeah what what what, what are some other kind of fun ways you know, what what if what if one of them were able to uh you know uh, have an immunity to acid
2: or something like that that would be scary, yeah, that would be very very scary um, you uh, the immunity acid is fun. The idea of the mutant troll is fun. Yeah. Hey, this troll had his arms cut off, but he grew an extra set, so now he's a 4 arm troll. Ah! Ah! There was one of those in Tyranny of Dragons. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Um. Uh, uh, and this guy was also sort of big into fashion. He had like a moss cloak and everything, so he was like a real swanky troll. Oh, <laughs> look at that troll with the moss cloak.
0: He's and he's mo- got four he's moving arms. up in the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like you the Ziphan People Rocks. Just, I grew another farm <laughs> just so I
2: could... Exactly. What was it, skiing or something? Like yeah. Yep. Trolls can also be easily tempted. Um, if they see a powerful evil creature, like a wizard or a necromancer or somebody like that, they will serve them if they're well-fed. Mm. And so having troll bodyguards is also fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because they are that... that, that- bag of HP that yes. will very yeah. hard to kill and if you have a
2: friend you don't like you can send him a present and inside the box can be a troll hand that leaps out at them and grabs their face and tries to claw their eyes out
0: happy birthday happy
2: birthday I hate you <laughs> yeah. here's a troll hand
0: oh now I know what to get you Chris Perkins yes. uh, on the next leap here yeah <laughs> I would accept that gift. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, how can people uh, ask you more questions about the life cycle of different D&D monsters?
2: Oh, my. I don't know if I want to give my information and <laughs> 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 get inundated with, tell me about the life cycle of the... Whatever. <laughs> the Trask. Uh,
0: exactly. Oh, oh that's right. That's a right. tough one. Yeah, they, they go to the planet of the Trasks. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's
2: the only place they get loving. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I am on Twitter at Chris Perkins DND.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you for uh, increasing our sex education on trolls.
2: I couldn't be happier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. We'll be back with some more fun lore next week.
1: Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. I'm very excited to be here. I've never been to uh, the wizards building, and it's my first time. I saw the dragon. Mitzi. Mitzi? Oh, yes. man. So Near cool. and dear
0: to your heart. Because she's a, a a Magic the Gathering based dragon, not a Dungeons and Dragons. Wait, really? Based dragon. I didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Wh- uh, tell me more.
0: I mean, that's all I know, right? Oh, okay. I mean, because the, the dragons of Tarkir, you know, there was the. It's whole, a Tarkir
1: dragon? I believe. Okay.
0: It is not. I, all I know is that it's not like a canon D&D dragon, right? Interesting. It's not chromatic. It's not like sure. a red or a white or you know, a black dragon. Maybe it's, it's, it's
1: one of Sarkin's dragons. Yeah, I that's think it crazy. Is. That's yeah. cool. That's she awesome. Is, she it's is. Mitzi. Yep, Mitzi.
0: Yeah. She's decorated out for summer right now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sunglasses, a uh, uh, Hawaiian shirt, some uh, lays on her. Exactly. She looks great. <laughs>
0: a big donut infl- uh, oh, and yeah. floaty on on the tail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so cool. It's a new, a new thing here at, uh, at Wizards. I Zone. can't
1: wait to see the Halloween one. I know! I'm so excited. Why do you even think about Halloween? That yeah, makes sense. I was, right just,
0: up. I was just thinking fall, like, sweaters and, no. and caps and... Halloween. ...cardigans and corduroy pants. Yeah,
1: Halloween, Christmas, and then New Year's. Like, I don't know. God There's man. so much you could do with it. Nice.
0: Yeah. So, we've been, we've been dressing her up, and hopefully, uh, she, uh, uh, you know, goes out in style mm-hmm. for the next, uh, all the holidays.
1: Um... So, uh, you're here for PAX West. Yes, yeah. I I have been coming to PAX West for four or five years now, and I usually just do it for fun. This is just something I meet my friends who are from the East Coast. We all meet up here and spend the weekend in Seattle, and I have fallen in love with Seattle uh, the first time I came here. I love it. I really want to move here. Uh, at some point, I would love to, you know, work here. It'd be great. Um, so, yeah, you're uh, hired. Yeah, great, cool. <laughs> I can do this every day. I can do this every day. So I'm great. confirming
0: everything. In this great, thing. <laughs>
1: awesome. I would love to edit videos here or uh, any sort of other graphical work I can do. Uh, but yeah, I'm in LA right now, and uh, you know, weather-wise, it's completely different. It's very hot summer right now over there. And, and I very much like the cloudy, rainy weather. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I'm the same. Uh, when I started to come up here for PAX West for uh, for work, I would come home and and just tell my wife all about how mm-hmm. it's so green here. Everything is glorious. You know, there's no bugs. It's, yeah. You know, it's high summer, but it's like not hotter than 75. You yeah. Know, maybe, you know, that's a that's a hot day sure. here in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I kept telling her about how great it was and then, you know, I got this job and I'm like, hey, <laughs> I know. Well, she was like, oh, that sounds cool. I would like to move there one day. And I was like, well, here's the thing. <laughs> I got something for you. Okay. We're going there. Yay. And it, uh, uh, it's all worked out. So, yeah, no, I hear you. And then it feels like it's a... It's attracting a lot more people yeah. recently too.
1: Yeah, it's gotten very busy, and comparatively to rent prices and home prices, it's actually pretty similar to L.A. Yeah, so uh, that's actually good and bad for me because I'm already living in L.A., so I can afford whatever this is. Right. But the more popular Seattle gets, the more expensive it'll get, and so.
0: especially more popular I think with the D and D community. I think Absolutely. A lot of people have uh, congregated here, mm-hmm. and it's it's really cool to see. Obviously, a lot, a lot of that's happening for for PAX West, but right. um, you know, beyond that, I think people do the same thing where they come here and they. See it, and they're like, I just, I, I, I love the vibe, and they want to, they want to be a part of the creativity that's going yeah. on in the city.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so people may know you from uh, the Saving
1: Throw channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you guys start that? So uh, I actually wasn't there when they started it. Okay. So it started out about six years ago in uh, literally in a garage. They just outfitted a garage to be a streaming space. Um, it was Tyler's Garage, Tyler Rhodes, who was one of the founders. Mm-hmm. It was Dom, Zook, Tyler Rhodes, and uh, Ben Dunn who founded Saving Throw. Okay. And basically, they were just streaming uh, a and d game out of their uh, garage. And this was this was actually pre-Critical Role. Mm-hmm. This was like one of the first channels to start doing it. And uh, they started getting an audience, and they started making money off of it. and they're like, wow, You can do this. It's weird. It wasn't, like, a ton of money, but it was enough to, you know, pay for the pizza they were eating and some minis or whatever. Yeah. And eventually they got a, um, like, a small closet office in a casting uh, building in uh, West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And that's where I came in. That's where I met somebody, uh, David Crennan, who uh, was doing a game for them. Uh, Never Tell Me the Odds was the name of the game. And Mm -hmm. it was basically a Fantasy Flight game. It was the Star Wars Fantasy Flight that we started playing there. Right. And when I got there, I was like, I love the idea of live streaming RPGs. How can I help? So I started uh, doing graphical work and making calendars and helping out for any marathons I did. And slowly over time, I became a producer, talent, and among other things, uh, so many things I do. And I I love doing it. I love saving throw. Nice. And uh, yeah, we have content uh, two to three times a week, and it'll be uh, four to five actually coming up. We're getting pretty busy now, so... Yeah, it's it's a great place if you want to check out some RPGs. We do D&D, we do uh we've done Shatteron, we do Pathfinder, we've done Starfinder, we've done all sorts of RPGs, so That's so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I love that, you know, it was a not fly by night, but it was you know we just you kind of started and then yeah. and then it, all of a sudden it comes on and it attracted more people to to it.
1: You know? Yeah, it's gotten bigger every year. Now we have like a studio in uh, in Los Angeles essentially proper, and it's just it's uh, maybe double the size of this room actually, and it's enough to have like a streaming area one side and another like a couch area that we can do other things for interviews and stuff. So yeah,
0: it's great. That's so cool, and I love that it predated you know the kind of the boom, right? Yeah, you guys were there because yeah. I, I remember when, when when I started working here like four years ago, like there was. Uh, a few names that I had known mm-hmm. from following on the Twitter, and 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 you guys were were a big part of that. awesome! And, yeah, you know. And then oh, it, it just everything's kind of taken off from there. And I love that you guys are now, um, you know, growing and and, and adapting yeah. to the to the to the landscape. And of course, the Broken Pack show was yes. awesome.
1: And we just started working with uh, you guys for Broken Pack last year, and that was right. like a dream come true. Like I've always wanted to do something wizard- with uh, Wizards of the Coast. So uh, I'm very happy to be part of that. Now we're about to start season three, which starts on September 9th in a about a week and a half,
0: yeah, from when so. we're recording this. But when you're listening to this, it's probably oh, starting. in a couple days. Oh yeah, God, we're time traveling again. September
1: aren't we? 9th is when it airs, which yes. is 8 p.m. on a Monday. So,
0: so that's all you need to know. Yes, that's and all you need to know. And then Twitch.tv/dnd. And then, yes,
1: exactly. And then going on from then. So yeah, sweet.
0: Yeah. Uh, so season three, uh, where, where are you guys going? Oh, so oh, well to, to start, just in case everyone. Oh. Uh, Ruben Bressler is the Dungeon Master. Yes, uh, and it was uh, started in Ravnica. Yes. So, to promote the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica that right. came out last year.
1: Yes, yeah. So we all started in Ravnica, and our first two seasons took place there, and uh, we have four members of four or four of the ten guilds represented there. And uh, now season three, we're going to Hell. We're going to Avernus. Nice. We're excited to preview that book. So in our last at D and D Live, we did a show there, and that took us to the start of Avernus. Essentially, we ended up in the in a deserty area. So that's where we're going to start, and hopefully. We'll survive. We're trying to aim for a more, uh, a darker, tougher season for us. So we can actually like, like no one escapes hell without a few scars, right? Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm excited to see like what happens to us trying to escape hell. Because I think our goal is to get back to Ravnica because uh, the, the whole war that was going on, we tried to do it at the same time that War of the Spark was going on, which is a big magic event. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, we basically had our characters leave for that event and now we want to come back and see what happened with the war that was going on. Oh, that's uh, neat. There's a bunch of character elements that, like, uh, we want uh, to show off this year. And, you know, we're not sure what Ruben has planned for us. We talked a little bit. We had a meeting this week, and uh, we're very excited to see what happens.
0: Nice. And your character is a member of the Azorius set. Yes,
1: yes. My character is Lucian Ladrin. He's a member—he's a law mage of the Azorius Guild. And he is very much a uh, rules—he follows the rules and tries to get everybody else to follow the rules, much too— you know, uh, much to a lot of people complaining about it because <laughs> the members in in the in the, uh, the party are not the Azorius and they also, the Azorius are essentially the police of that um, uh, plane. So nobody really likes them because they're our stickler for rules and um, they want to do their own things. So uh, I'm usually the voice of reason and trying to do the right thing all the time and, you know. I can grind some gears sometimes.
0: You're the uh, the the lawful good paladin, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Trying to make sure everybody's on the up and up. Yes, um, yeah. But I like the way you play your character because it's um, it feels like hard boiled detective. Yeah, yeah. But with with that lawful good kind of feel to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, Ruben, when we started season one, we talked about doing a noir D anD D campaign, and that sort of fell through a little bit. But we tried to keep those elements intact because. Uh, we wanted that it was a murder mystery for the first two seasons. Essentially, yeah. it was a who done it. So, um, trying to figure out who that was, we had to go through a lot of, uh, you know, we had to find uh, evidence and then uh, link that to somebody else and figure out who actually did this murder. Yeah, and we did, you know, s- no spoilers about who or what it was, but uh, we did eventually figure it out. Now we're going to our next adventure to see what that is.
0: That's uh, I-,
1: I love that. I love that
0: this show. Um... Kind of underlines what how we think of the D and D multiverse in yeah. a way, right? Yeah, and that, yeah, and that uh, yes, you're based in Ravnica, which is sure. which is it's uh, fantasy still, it, it's fantasy, yeah. but it was a, a different flavor than the Forgotten Realms or Eberron or right. uh, you know anybody's homebrew out there, mm-hmm. uh, and it obviously you know popularized by uh, the Magic of the Gathering sets that mm-hmm. have been there for what 15 years. Yeah, I right? think
1: Ravnica is one of their oldest uh, and most popular. Uh, planes that they've yeah. done. This is the third time in Magic that they return to. Uh, right. Ravnica. It was Ravnica. There was Return to Ravnica. The, yeah, and now it's Return,
0: Return to Ravnica. Yeah, the fourth one is going to be.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably something like that. Yeah, I think it'll be a few years, but everybody loves Ravnica. The ten guilds are just so people hold them dear to their hearts. You know, everybody yeah. has
0: a favorite guild. All oh, right, it's like the Magic uh, five colors where you know. Yeah, you can so, be like I'm I'm red, but like no, but you can do the yeah, dual you combine thing. it. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: it's very interesting. And I love I I love Ravnica. There's
0: something about to the and maybe it's. Um, uh, it's something that like kind of an innate human thing about like the math of it. Sure. For some reason, yeah. it doesn't seem like five colors should have 10 combinations. Right. Yeah. And only 10 combinations. There
1: really are only 10, which is, yeah, it blew my mind the first time I realized, like, wait, what about this color? Oh, that is Oh, a that game. is, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> they have them all. Um, and then they've also done uh, other planes, which are three colors. Um. And then I was like, oh, well, there has to be a ton of those, right? And there are, but they only do like five at a time just to not have so many options in one set. So right. I think Tarkir, like we mentioned before, that's the last time they did three-color pairings. Or they're not, I guess they're not pairings, but three-color uh, <laughs> wedges or whatever they were. Yeah, that's what <laughs> they called them, wedges, I think. Wedges, oh, yeah. right, that's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, so were you a, a Magic player for a
1: long time? Uh, yeah, I've been playing Magic for... Uh, maybe 15 years now, but I only really heavily got into it maybe in the last seven or eight years. Okay. Uh, with Innistrad was the first set that I like. Right. The, the original Innistrad uh, was when I originally got into it. And that's when I also learned that I love gothic horror and all of its flavors. Like, uh, and then Curse of Strahd was another thing that I was like, oh, this is totally my style. I love all that stuff. Um, so I got into that and I've been playing ever since. And I love magic. You know, Commander is probably my favorite format and uh, Modern is another favorite of mine. But nice. uh, yeah, I've been playing Magic for a while, and hopefully we'll continue to play Magic.
0: What's the, uh, what's the draw of Commander? Because there's, you know, for people who may not know, it's basically yeah. uh, you pick a legendary creature to be your...
1: Your Commander, yeah. Right. So basically Commander is a format where you pick one of the many hundreds of legendary uh, creatures that exist in Magic's history over all the card sets, and you build a deck around them. So basically if you pick a Commander of two colors, your deck can only have those two colors in it which narrows down your playfield, and then you obviously... Your commander, you can cast at any time. So it's always available. You need to have it in your hand. It's always in a command zone. So it flavors your deck in a way that you always want to build around your commander. So if your commander is based on, like, uh, plus one, plus one counters, you want other cards in that deck to uh, play off of that so it's strengthened and has, like, an identity. Mm -hmm. So whenever you have a, uh, a commander... Uh, out in the battlefield when you 're like starting the game, you have some idea of how the other person 's deck is going to play because of the flavor of and the mechanics of that commander
0: right do you people ever uh, you know not, not necessarily role play but like get into the story of their their commander a little bit more
1: yeah uh, we can a- actually you know a few years ago, I uh, thought about combining role playing with Magic the Gathering, mm. and that was my idea. Is basically you pick a legendary creature, and I basically built an entire system that I called Magic the Role Playing, <laughs> and I and I put it and I put it out there that people could uh, play, and people really liked it. Like there's a whole document that I made. No way. And so people can visit it now and check it out. I haven't updated in a while because uh, I just got very busy. But basically, it's uh, you you start. You have a dungeon master, and they have encounter decks, and there's all sorts of ways to play it. But yeah, uh, I think. I think combining the lore and flavor of magic with uh, role-playing is something that anybody and everybody should do. Like, I love the flavor of that stuff more than I do the mechanics, to be honest. I I agree, yeah. I mean, I I think
0: there is a certain, you know, game-playing math brain that likes the mechanics of of how to make things work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what's really compelling about um, magic as well as, uh, you know, the show Broken Pact is that it takes all that stuff and makes it into storytelling.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and Ruben's been great about that because he's been using, like, actual magic cards as items for D&D, and he's been, like, putting the the actual, like, mechanic text on there, so it's very cool to see those things combined at the table in front of you. And something I
0: didn't realize about magic, because, you know, I was was a a player back in, you know, 25 years ago, and then I got out of it for a long time, and and I've only really dabbled into it. I've never been, like, full whole hog into um, you know, kind of competitive play or anything like that, but when watching your show, I was like, the way he described characters really made it feel like like the MCU, or or, oh. or, or you know the fact that there's this myriad of characters yeah. that have maybe even even had a card named after them. They yeah. just mentioned in flavor text, but. Over time, these little data points that yes. are on each, you know, one line of text over 10 cards, over yeah. 15 years, you can build a story. Absolutely. And those characters have meaning to, mm-hmm. to Magic fans, or these the ones that, that pay attention to this type of thing. So it... it that was one thing that, that the show taught me was that, you know, there is this wealth of t- tapestry of characters that you yeah. can play on and that people will love just as much they love as seeing, like, you know, obscure character in the MCU.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Like, uh, mentioning the MCU, like, it it you're right, it's very much like that because the history of this, you know, it's not comparable to comics, which are going for, like, 100 years now, but right. it's been 25 years of magic and there's plenty of places and people to pull from. Um, and uh, at the same time that, like, Infinity War came out, or Endgame, I can't remember, I think it was this year, because War of the Spark came out at the same time, Yeah, that was essentially the Endgame of Magic. Like, it was all these Planeswalkers that you've known from other places and new ones coming together to fight one great evil, and it was at the same time as Endgame, so people were like, wait, are you guys just doing this to capitalize on Endgame? And it's like, no, they played this three years ago. Like, they don't have time to, to be like, oh, it's coming out, we have to do something now. No, Magic, the, like, the way they develop Magic happens way earlier than, like, the set coming yeah. out, so... They've been doing this for a while. It just happened coincidentally, though, right? The same time.
0: It's like a, a deep impact in Armageddon yes. happening at the same. Yeah, time. that happens
1: all the time <laughs> in the movie industry. It's so weird. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, we can, we already made the movie. We can't like not release it at the same time. Yeah, maybe ours will be better. You know, they have to compete at that. Roll point. Roll the but, dice. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, so, which was better, War of the Spark or Avengers? Oh, uh,
1: that's a tough question. <laughs> um, Endgame was probably better, just because it was, you know. Uh, The thing about War of the Spark is a lot of the flavor and the story is told in the cards, but they did do a novel as well and the novel definitely did a lot of the backstory but it wasn't complete enough i wanted to hear about all the characters but the mm. novel didn't just didn't have enough pages to to put all the, right. the flavor and backstory but it did a really good job of talking about the characters that you know perished and will no longer be a part of magic which is crazy yeah. um no spoilers i don't want to tell anybody who hasn't read the book apparently or,
0: someone spoiled me yeah, when I we didn't were walking know. around yeah. and all that i'm like oh we saw really?
1: someone that had you know passed away during uh, the events of war of the spark and i'm sure people know at this point who it is but i won't say it uh, they've been a mainstay character. It's essentially like Captain America, you know, like that. he's been the Captain America of <laughs> magic. Uh, now I've given it away. You know who it is. Um, <laughs> everybody knows who this is now. Uh,
0: well, maybe not people on this podcast. But, oh, know, that's that, true. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah, yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, as, as much as, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I participated in the magic lore, like I just didn't realize the wealth and the depth yeah. of it, right? So I encourage people to, you know, obviously Guildmasters Guide to Ravnica has a great. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Source for for that plane, but all of the art of Magic books that have come out over the last mm. you know five or six sets, yeah, um, have been really glorious. Those I just are love, so good. Uh, I love patient. obviously the art is all glorious, oh. but yeah. it's the world building that goes into those. Um, James Wyatt, uh, who used to be on the D and D team, oh. uh, and who uh, was a lot of the world builder behind Eberron. Uh, uh, oh. he wrote like three or four novels and uh, set in Eberron and stuff. So he okay. works on that for Magic now right. and, and does all those those art of Magic books. Um, so yeah, there's
1: more crossover than people realize. Yeah. yeah yeah and and you know looking at the art of D&D and the art of magic like there's a lot of cross uh, contamination there. A lot of the artists do work for both yeah. and stuff, and it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful art. Like, you can tell a story just by looking at some of the art. Yeah. Um, I've seen people, I, I heard this once that people can basically open a booster pack of magic and you can lay out those cards, and you could probably make a D&D adventure just based on the titles and art of those cards. Like, yeah. it's, there's locations, there's people, there's uh, actions, so you can combine that out in a table in front of you and be like, yep, this could be a D&D adventure if you really wanted to. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I love that Ruben's kind of doing that with, yeah. uh, uh, as the Dungeon Master for the broken pack, yes, and, and, and casting those spells and, and having yeah. to be a part of what's 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 going on. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that show starts on September 9th, you yes. said. Yes, yes. Um, people who haven't been watching it, what what do you think is your 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 way to get people in uh, to where you guys are now to start watching it for season three?
1: Um, for so season three, we have uh, we've done two seasons, so that's ten episodes each. Um, you can watch it on YouTube. Or you can we also have a podcast version. you can listen to it on uh, in your car or whatever, um, but if you just want like a short blurb on how to get you into the start, we were basically uh, we are a group of members of the guilds of Azorius, Boros, Demir, and Selesnia, and we came together to solve a murder mystery um, uh, uh, Amaro, which is a great like uh, druid in the lore of uh, Ravnica, was murdered, and we tried to figure out who it was and We went through all the locations in Ravnica to figure out who did it, and we did. And by the time we did, we had to leave Ravnica. We were essentially ejected because the war was about to start, Mm. and we couldn't be there. We were too important. So they essentially made us planes walk away to Innistrad and then Avernus. So that's where we are now. We're in Avernus, and we're basically back to ground zero. We have no help. There's nobody here that we know. We're just stranded in a desert as far as I know. So we'll see how Ruben takes it from there, but... yeah, we're starting fresh in Avernus and
0: maybe you'll find one of these uh, infernal war machines yeah, to, to oh, take you around.
1: We were talking about how uh w- the infernal war machines in the book, you can like build your own and like customize it. Like yeah. how our guilds would be represented. Because the guilds no longer exist in Avernus, but we are such uh stalwarts of our guilds that we want those factions to be in Avernus. How can mm. we bring those guilds to Avernus? Yeah. Uh we're very excited because like uh Jordan Pridgin, who plays the Boros Minotaur. Uh, the Boros are a very, like, militaristic and uh, forward-marching guild, and they would work very well in Avernus, and so he wants to start the Boros in Avernus. He wants to start a new faction, but, like, based on him or whatever. So we'll see where that goes. Sam- w- with
0: all the, the stuff we did at D&D Live with uh, the different warlords who yeah. are, you know, obviously there's the blood war going yeah. on in the background. So there's mm-hmm. always that big meta thing of, of devils versus demons on the yeah. front lines. Um, but I love that there's these little pockets of, uh, you know, autonomous gangs, yeah. essentially, who have their own vehicles and they have their own thing. Um, you know, and we introduced a bunch of those during D&D Live, like... Uh, 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 Shit, I'm forgetting some of the names uh, of them, but like, uh, oh, Mad Maggie. was Mad was, Maggie, yeah, was that was the, the big one. Yeah, when, when Jeremy Crawford was playing uh, that character, it was amazing. So I could see, you know, very easily player characters who get uh, Baldur's Gate Descent to Avernus mm-hmm. creating their own type thing or, or sizing up with it. And, it, yeah. it, I mean, Boros is a perfect yeah. uh, thing. So I don't know if... Your character would necessarily well, yeah. want that, but
1: that 's the weird part is like solution is very much the you know follow the rules and go by the word of the law, but there 's not many laws in avernus it 's kind of a hellscape, but there are contracts, and that is one place where Lucian excels like he is a uh, sort of a lawyer investigator, and uh, he loves contracts and deals. So he can look over those deals that the devils are giving off to everybody and be like, "No, this isn't a good deal. You need to write this in triplicate and then a uh, d- double dot this." And like, he he he's going to be very happy doing that nice. as long as they're not taking advantage of them. We'll see how contracts work out in hell. You know, right. they're probably never in your advantage. So uh, yeah, it's about figuring out the the of least
0: resistance or, yeah. or uh, you know the least evil. Choice. What's the least
1: evil choice? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know how the other characters are going to react to being in this landscape, this yeah. right?
1: So Lesnia is all about nature, and as Ruben kept on telling us, there's not many trees. There is no
0: nature there, there's as not far many as trees. I can tell. So
1: there's going to be a big disconnect for uh, Tutaru, played by Ashlyn Rose. Um, but I think, I think she'll find a way to, to get along. And then Demir, Riley Silverman, plays our Demir character who is a, uh, a rogue uh, assassin sort of type, but I think she'll fit in just fine, actually. I think yeah. she'll do pretty well there.
0: I think the uh, questionable morals of rogues uh, kind of fits into Avernus pretty yeah. well. Yeah, and yeah. And
1: Ruben was also talking about, like, combining magic and D&D again. Just because we left Ravnica doesn't mean magic won't play a part because there's plenty of characters in magic that are and can be uh, brought to Avernus. There is Tybalt, which is a planeswalker that is uh, essentially a devil planeswalker, and then there is Obnixilus, which is a demon that can also be easily put into Avernus. So I I would bet money that they would show up, and fingers crossed they do, because I love those characters. So that's an interesting topic, because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe
0: demons in magic are lawful evil? and um, devils are the chaotic ones where it's opposite in yeah, D&D.
1: I think, I think you're right about that. They, I mean, like, they haven't really had... Lawful or neutral in Magic right, up until but that, Ravnica, I, but essentially the yes, you're right, yeah. That that's essentially how they like flavor wise go. So yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out too.
0: Because I wonder if you know the Demon from Magic will actually make packs. Yes, with, with the devils and you yeah, know, with other, us the broken pack or yeah. you guys, yeah, yeah that, exactly. exactly, right. Oof, yeah, I'm uh, very excited. I like the fish out of water kind of yes story. Uh, that's going to be ha- literally out of water because you're in like, yeah a,
1: <laughs> a desert. <else> well, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why I'm very excited because because like Ravnica, I've known about for ten years, so I know a lot about it. Uh, Ruby been new even more like i was very surprised about his knowledge he's yeah. very good about lore and uh avernus i know almost next to nothing about save for what we've done at D live and what i've seen in promos like i've tried not to look at anything so i can take in and learn about this world as we go yeah that's just so exciting playing it in any DD game, just exploring a brand new world and location. And, well, and when you can't metagame it
0: too much, right? Yes, you know, exactly. Or at least you don't have to consciously not metagame. Yes. Right? When you're literally being like, the both the player and the character don't know what the heck is going on. Yeah,
1: yeah. In Ravnica, that was hard because like he'd introduce a character and I'm like, oh my God, I love that character, but I, my character doesn't know. But it I so can't fanboy out right I'm now. Like, oh, I don't know who Jace Bellerin is. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jace is probably a bad example because everybody knows him, but like other characters that he brought out and I was like, oh, Niv Mizet, oh, it's so cool cool I love it? I love a dragon yeah but like the Azorius are probably not fans of the it guild because they break laws all the time so they're like ugh these guys they're mad scientists always blowing up buildings that's just collateral damage to them but that's a ton of paperwork for the Azorius so Mal is definitely one of my favorites Mal? What, right? the, oh, Ral Zeric? Yeah. Oh, because you look sorry. like him. Yeah. You look, I've been told. Uh, you can cosplay him easily. You just <laughs> have to put on the uniform and you're done. <laughs> nice. Yes, yeah, he's one of our favorites too. It's
0: the hair. I just like that the It hair is the hair straight sticking yeah. straight up. It's, it works. Yes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, if you need me to guess. As, as I mean, a, absolutely. Anytime yeah. you're in the area. Well, that'd be fun. I you, didn't even think about that. We'd love we to have We should have done it. that during Ravnica. We definitely
1: should have. And yeah. you could still show up here.
0: Did you meet uh, uh, a lot of Izzet Guild when you were in? Uh,
1: we met Niv-Mizzet, I think. And then we met a guy. Goblin, who was like a, a, a mad scientist, who was uh, amazing, um, but I don't think we met anybody else. I don't think we met Ral. Uh, I think we heard about Ral in mm. like the background, but we didn't meet Ral. Yeah, he was busy in the pre-events of war. Right, so, and Ral is
0: interesting too because uh, he has a relationship with yeah. another member of the guild. Yeah, a I, different guild, right? Yeah,
1: the guild being the the Orzov Guild. Right, um, and I forget the name of the other character. It starts with a T, I believe. But basically, yeah, that, that was just a very open thing they did in this previous set to say, like, yep, this uh, character is a gay character with this character. And that is just an open relationship. And everybody loved it. Like, it was great. Yeah, Like, Magic's been doing that uh, for the past few years. And we're, we're all loving it. It's awesome. Yeah. Bring more diversity. Bring more kinds of relationships into the game. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been cool to see. Um, and uh, so w- w- you know, so we talked a lot about your background with Magic and where, where yeah. that came from. When did you start playing Dungeons & Dragons? So my history with D&D, um, I, so when I was a kid, I got this board game called Dragon Strike. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen it or heard of it. Yeah. But yeah, it's a board game that TSR made before uh, uh, Wizards bought them. Uh, so it was a learn-to-play, it wasn't D&D, but it was, it was like a board game version of D&D. Think mm-hmm. about like those Ravenloft board games that came out a past few years ago. But it came with a VHS tape that's like 30 minutes long, and you can pop it in, and it teaches you in a very campy way how to play D and D. And they have actors and everything. I think one of the American Gladiators played like a barbarian on it. Really, it's so good. Like I recommend anybody to watch it. It's on YouTube. It's on. Th- it's 30 minutes long. It's on YouTube. You could watch if you want. Whoops. Um, and I watched it hundreds of times because, like, I could not convince anybody to play this with me. <laughs> I was so sad. I had this whole board game. I had to play it all by myself, and I did several times. I just pretended I was playing it, Nice. Uh, and they had some solo scenarios too, but I couldn't get anybody to play it, so I was, like, so bummed. And then eventually I got older, and uh, someone invited me to a game, and I finally got to play, and I loved it, and then I uh, started doing my own games. I did, like, a Gamma World game, which is, like, uh, sort of a Fallout Monsters game. Um, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, I finally got a chance to actually start playing D&D proper and uh, running my own games. So, yeah, it all started when I was a kid, and luckily, as I grew older, it actually became more prevalent and more popular, and now it's more popular than ever, and I could not be happier that it's everywhere.
0: It's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, I think it is uh, one of the strangest surprises of my life to see how, uh, you know, all gaming, really, but, but tabletop gaming is specifically, like, you know, the attitude towards it has shifted from, nah, I don't want my kids to do that, to be like, please, can my kids do this? Yeah. You know, how can we make it work and uh, uh, you know, parents facilitating that type of mm-hmm. play. You know, because it's imagination. You get to, really to do whatever you need to do. And so I never understood why, you know, back in the day it was hard to find groups, but I was yeah. kind of very similar. You know, I, I was fascinated with it uh, when I was a kid and wanted to play, but just couldn't. Even the friends that I had who were dorky kids yeah. who, you know, loved Star Wars and, and and the whole shebang, it was it was just that was a yeah. bridge too far for them. Was my, to, to roll my some friends?
1: Dice. Yeah, my friends just saw like the numbers and the stuff you had to do, math-wise there's dice. Yeah, And they were like, oh, I just want to play Donkey Kong instead because it's easy. And I'm like, come on. I promise it'll be good. Look at this story. It's so cool. Watch so this cool. video.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder if a lot of it has to do, and I, this is the first time I'm really kind of considering this, but the presentation of the books okay. were very, I mean, there was art and sure. stuff in there. But it did look like a textbook. It did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, With the amount of, like, you know, uh, you could squint your eyes and and you'd be like, this is this algebra? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure. So I wonder if that was subconsciously part of the, because why would a kid not want to? Pretend,
1: yeah. You know, I, I, I honestly don't know because I was all for it, and there was just my friends just did not want to even try, and I was I just know. so sad. But now everybody wants to do it. I know everybody does. And I, I love the simulation
0: nature of it too. The, yeah, the, the fact that you were like, you know, in this this world that is not real, but it has the, the semblance of of realness. Yeah. to it. Like I always loved that part of it, and yeah. uh, so that's where the tables and the percentages and all those things came in because I was like, oh yeah, you know, this this town would have you know twelve percent. Halflings and this many thing, and then you know, in order to to ascend from this level of druid to this level of druid, you have to find that one druid and kill him or, right. or best him, and that's the only or her, and that's the only way to ascend to the next level. Like that kind of stuff made it feel like a real mm-hmm. thing, even though it was just this fantasy world. And yeah. I was, I never, I tried to like explain that to people, and obviously people were like, "Yeah, no, that's great." <laughs> yeah, but like back then, people were like, "What are you saying? Yeah. Why?"
1: I mean, playing, like, computer games back then when they had, like, fantasy games on there that let you do things similar to that, like uh, like EverQuest as, as an MMO or something, like, that was similar. Yeah. But, like, in D&D, you can do whatever you want. You don't have, like, uh, pre-made pre responses to questions. You can ask whatever you want and learn whatever you want. So it's just so many more possibilities in that world, and that's really what drew me into it. It's just the open-ended nature of uh, exploration and combat and uh, social encounters, all that Put together in a one neat package with a rule set that you could join with your friends and have an ongoing campaign. You know, yeah, I, uh, yeah. It's just so it's just amazing. Deany's just amazing.
0: I wish I wish I could go back in time and uh, show people this
1: podcast. I know, yeah. <laughs> and would be like,
0: no, listen to like all <laughs> yeah. of the passion that every single person we speak to on here about what this game can do. Yeah. You know, I, I just, it's 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 funny how. Um, we, 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 you know, fly that that freak flag so much, and it doesn't feel like, it, like it's that different. It's just yeah. feels like, oh, no, this is commonplace. Yeah, I,
1: yeah. Uh, I was telling you this yesterday, but I went to Staples the other day to get something printed for D&D, yeah. and I was very worried because, like, you know, you go out in public and I, I, I got bullied at a young age, so I know, like, showing off your freak flag sometimes is not great, and even though I know people aren't going to publicly make fun of you in a Staples, like, <laughs> I'm worried in, in my social anxiety. No, you can't, you right. It's not
0: rational, but yeah, you can be like, no, I can totally still be ner- not. Ner- so, nervous about it. Yeah,
1: so I had, like, a flash drive, and I took it over, and uh, I went uh, to Staples, and the guy working there was, like, in a, a senior in high school, and he looked like one of the kids who, like, would totally make fun of me. And I'm like, okay— I'm sure I'm an adult. He won't do this. And I went back there. He's like, so what are you printing? I'm like, ah, this D&D thing. He's like, are you kidding me? I love D&D. I play all the time. It's my favorite thing in the world. Can I tell you about my build? <laughs> I built a paladin, and he's a warlock, and he can do 2,400 damage a turn. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> this is the best thing ever. It was, I spent an hour just talking to this dude, and he was very nice. And he's going off to college for, like, architecture. And he was like, man, I wish I could get into... Uh, some sort of like doing D&D officially and I'm like man architecture is like 100% what you could do like, you're you designing could, dungeons and, yeah. yeah and he's like oh I already do that and I'm like yeah keep doing it do it for DMs Guild like do, go out there and show off all your stuff like I guarantee you can do this I like that makes me so excited for the future of D&D and our future generations uh, as well like that's so cool that people are so proud about D&D and loving it and want to share it with the world
0: that is so cool yeah I know and then we were talking about this last night too but it's a good anecdote to share I went to Universal uh, oh yeah! Yeah. Park, uh, Universal Studios, and then went to um, uh, Islands of Adventure. Mm-hmm. They're connected down there in Orlando, Florida. And I was wearing—I didn't even think about it. I just—I have so many D and D shirts. Right. I don't really—I just was wearing my <laughs> blue one with the white D and D logo on it. And I—I I didn't really think about this ahead of time. But of course, everybody who works at Universal Studios, from the the concessions people to everybody doing the rides. Everyone to a team like oh I play D and and they immediately went into talking <laughs> yeah. about their characters like it yeah, was just yeah. like this 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 open ended thing and I you know some of them I told them I work there and some of them I didn't you know it just wanted to to sure. kind of get through the day but one specifically I remember because it was a um, uh, a ride where you you kind of get on and they help you uh, into these. Flyer things it was a Teradon flyer thing from uh, oh, from Jurassic Park. Okay, right? so the guy who's literally helping you get in straps you on, and then you go around the ride, and you come back out, and and he's there taking me off the ride. So he's telling me about his character as I'm going off on the ride. And he's like, oh, "Okay, cool." And then like you know, the ride happens. It's you know two minutes long, and I get back into it, and then he launches back in right where he left off, and be like, "Oh yeah," and then we have got this going on, and we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna I'm, I may be trying to sorcerer next, I don't know. And it was just this stream of consciousness that he was so excited to tell yeah. uh, uh, somebody about you know what's going on with his um,
1: story that he's doing. And he should have just-, just jumped on the zipline with you and just kept on talking, just <laughs> hanging on to you. Like, so my paladin's really cool. His name's Roderick. <laughs> it was totally that. It was great. <laughs> and that's great. Like, I love how much people want to share this now. And that's like, you know, Twitch and streaming and YouTube. And it's so popular now that everybody wants to share their stories and their characters. Like, And that's awesome. I, I love how uh, far it can reach out into the interwe- interwebs and uh, other forms of media.
0: For sure. Um, and then, of course, the thing that you were uh, getting printed at, uh, oh, at yes. Staples, yeah. uh, there's another show coming up.
1: Yes. Um, so we are, uh, this is our formal announcement or unofficial dun, dun, dun. F- official announcement, but we are doing another show with Wizards of the Coast uh, for the new Eberron book. Eberron uh, Rising from the Last War is the name of the book that's coming out. And I'll be DMing a show starting in, well, so this show will be a, li- a little different because it's not a streamed show. It'll be uh, filmed and then edited uh, out uh, uh, and sent to Twitch Premiere and YouTube, essentially. Right. But, uh, yes, we'll be doing 10 one-hour-ish episodes for that. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Ebron is a little new to me because I, I learned about it a little bit during fourth edition, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, getting this new book, I've just been reading over it for days. And there's just so many cool ideas. Uh, The new mechanic in this book they talk about a little bit is the patron mechanic, which I've talked about. The group patron? Yes, which is basically a a patron that uh, sort of funds the missions that you're going to be going on. So there's a few in the book, and the one that I've chosen to uh, put this campaign on is the Dark Lanterns. The King's Dark Lanterns is what they're called. And this is a group of essentially, it's an espionage agency that works for the king of, uh, of, um, I can't remember the name, but it's the king of... Not Eberon proper, but one of the one of the provinces of Eberon, mm-hmm. and you'll be essentially sent on missions that are like spy missions. So think like Mission Impossible, Kingsman, um, James Bond stuff like that. And you'll be getting gadgets as your gear, and you'll be meeting contacts and doing all sorts of cool spy stuff. And that leads to you know high high uh, high tension thrills and chases and uh, weird uh, boss NPCs that are like twirling mustaches and uh, have like crazy death machines or something that they want to thwart you with. So I'm very excited to see where that's going to go. Uh, we're going to be doing the, the the adventure that's written in the book, and I'm going to be flavoring it with this uh, in the background, essentially. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, I mean, I, I'm similar to you, where I I knew what Eberron was, but mm-hmm. I haven't really been able to delve into what makes it really cool. And then now, when you know, we're, we just announced it; it's coming out uh, November 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, so I'm excited for more people to jump into it too. But um, I what I what I really love about it is you know, so much of fantasy is about medieval. Ishness, right? right, or you know, early Renaissance, or you know, that kind of like you know, feudalism, essentially, yeah. right. And what Eberron really is about, to me, is like 20th century stuff, or early, yeah. t- early 20th century, like you know, after the uh, and industrial Re- revolution. I want to say the industrial revolution because yeah. it's very different in Eberron because. The industry uh, is powered by magic. Yeah, right? it's a so, magical
1: revolution, uh, essentially. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it, but it has the same, or you know, in this world, it had the same effect that um, uh, industry did on our world, where um, there's newspapers and spy yes. organizations, and and uh, the enmity between these nations is mm-hmm. very similar to you know uh, uh, World War One, World War Two, type things, and it takes place after a major conflict has devastated many of the locations and peoples of yeah. this world. So it's recovering from that, and so it's a way to deal with a little bit more modern ideas and storytelling than most fantasy is able to to kind of grok so I, yeah. I, that's really exciting to me
1: yeah uh, a big thing about Eberron is transport they have very very uh, varied ways of transporting people from one location to another. They have sky coaches, they have airships, they have lightning rails, which are the trains, which are so cool. Like they're not on tracks, they're on like runes that like have the train levitate and go. Yeah. It's like a
0: combination between like a a mag train and a a running on a lightning bolt. Like literally a lightning bolt is what keeps them going. Exactly.
1: And there's like mechanics of how that works. Like in the train there's a compartment that contains like a creature that is causing this to happen essentially. And then you have to switch it to go the other way. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. I know, right? It's like it's it's almost like a kid's version of like what is technology. Yeah. yeah. Like if you told a kid, like, invent a train in, in the feudal world. They're like, okay, it runs on magic ruins. And you're like, yep, <laughs> this is it. That's the train. Done and done. But it's awesome. It's great.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then the Warforged are a, yeah. a really interesting kind of idea of, you know, I mean, I, I grew up watching Star Trek Next Generation and, okay. and, and Commander Data. You know, that idea of battling with uh, uh, what is sentience and what yeah. is what is a soul and does a, a thing that's made by a human yeah. have that type of thing? And so, like the Warforged are all dealing with their their place in the world uh, being, you know, the, the added thing is that they were made for, as weapons. Yeah. They were basically made as weapons They're for war. They're living weapons. They're yeah. living weapons. But then after the war's over,
1: yeah. what do you do? It's it's a huge thing in the book, and I'm glad they talk about it a lot because, like, when you think Eberron, most people will think Warforged immediately. That, yeah. that was, like, the key element that made them different visually from actual, like, regular Forgotten Realms stuff. Right. And, yeah, they they treat it very well in here. Like, the the actual adventure talks about, like, There's a lot of warfords that just do, like, labor that they can find because they are essentially, like, migrants from a different place. And people treat them like lesser beings almost sometimes. And uh, so they have, like, parts missing, and that's just who they are. Like, they're trying to just not feed themselves. They're trying to find uh, money to replace their arm. Like, that's what they're trying to do (laughs) just to get by so they can do more work, Yeah, you know? So, uh, yeah, it's very interesting. And they also have different levels of sentience. Mm. I was uh, reading a book... Yeah, I was reading a book called Tales from the Last War, which is an Eberron book that came out years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about Might have how... have been written by James Wyatt. It's right? possible, yeah. yeah, it's possible. Uh, but those are that's a really good jumping-on point if you want to learn about Eberron. That book is just ten short stories about Eberron that take place I- after the war.
0: Oh, uh, no, it's by Mark Sehestet.
1: Mark Sehestet. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tales from the Last War. But they talk about how... Uh, uh, Warforged were built, and then like some of them just have like they talk like this because they are just robots. But some of them have full sentience, and they are just they have emotions and everything. Yeah. So it's it's weird. Then that's how people see it. Like no, that's just a machine. But like some of them aren't. Some of them are actual full fledged things with emotions and lives and friends and family. So and
0: what I think fascinating about that too is that there's you know there's there's good. Uh, Warforged, yes. and then there's evil Warforged, yep. and you know, and and um, some that are damaged so much that they almost have a, a PTSD yeah. like like uh, uh, you know qualities in their lives, and they want Absolutely. to be able to get help and figure that out. And so, I mean, th- that's why there's so many more modern stories I think that can be told mm-hmm. uh, using using Eberron uh, that I'm, I'm really yeah. excited to see how what your show does. Yeah. So, you as dungeon master, have you done a lot of uh, 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 dungeon mastering for live streams? I have.
1: I've done. I did two mini. Episodes, So six uh, episodes in Barovia. I did a story that takes place in Ravenloft, but a hundred years after Strahd had died. Mm-hmm. So it was like, what's, what's Ravenloft? What's Barovia like after Strahd has been killed? He always comes back, but like it hasn't happened yet. So my story tells the beginning of like the return of Strahd and uh, I called cool. it, uh, it's always cloudy in Barovia <sighs> as a playoff. It's always cloudy in or uh, always sunny. Um, so yeah, I did a few of those, and I've done some one-offs, and I've done uh, a few other things. But yeah, uh, this is my full, uh, this is my first official for wizards like DMing thing. So I'm very excited, and hopefully I, hopefully I knock it out of the park. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm stressed too because like there's a lot of. This since this isn't a live stream, it's a pre-production and uh, right. filmed thing. There's a lot more that goes into it because you have to get everything done in a few set amount of days, and then edit it all together. I'm also editing it, so I have to add a lot of the sound and stuff to it too. But mm. I'm very excited.
0: Well, that I mean, that almost gives you more uh, uh, you know, uh, of an auteur-type yeah. thing to it than a live stream would allow you to do, Absolutely,
1: right? yeah. I have more control over it. And, you know, uh, there are tons of live streams now, but the way I usually uh, get my content for a live stream and stuff is through podcasts or edited stuff like this. So I just appreciate having a crunched-down version without uh, all the dead air and stuff. And some people have time for that, but I just, I'm just so busy. I love having it just condensed for me and well-edited with music and sound effects and all that. So. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see how that process works out. And
0: I like the the, the framework that you have uh, set up, so that they're going to be, you know, going off on these spy missions, yeah, and, yeah. and things like that. I They'll think have that's a handler. Really
1: I'm trying to think of like a name for like the handler, like you know, there was Money Penny for like James Bond or whatever. So I'm thinking of like I don't know, Gold Nickel would be like for <laughs> theirs, Miss Gold Nickel. I don't know, maybe I'll use that. <laughs> so something something similar. But I want those tropes to be there, recognizably that this is playing off of this property or that, but yeah. making it flavoring it so that it's in D and D because I I don't, think, I don't think anybody's done that yet, and like looking in this book, like there's so many other patrons, but this is one of the one that stu- that stuck out to me, sure as like one of the coolest ideas you could do for uh a video uh d and d stream
0: yeah. And the patrons is um, is neat because you know the, that the idea of a patron as your quest giver is not new to Dungeons and Dragons right. by any means, but the idea of having mechanics associated yes. around that, as well as having, I mean, there's there's a slew of them that you can choose from as yes. examples, and of course you can use those examples to design your own. Yeah. Um. But I love that like, some of them are like university researchers, yeah. or archaeologists, or you know, yeah, uh, newspaper reporters and things like that. Yeah. And there they, was
1: the the sharn inquisitive or something. There's a newspaper that you said, and then like you mentioned, school that you could just be you could set a campaign in Eberron's school sort of like Harry Potter. Like yeah. they have the whole thing oh, for yeah. that. That's really cool. There's there's so there's a bunch of them in right. there. And there's all sorts there's a military one, uh there's a magic one that's just like mages and stuff. There's a bunch.
0: And there's there's mechanics in there. So there's benefits yeah. to to choosing one of these for your group yep. early. Uh, to a certain extent so you can you know, you do that in the, in the session zero and, and get it ahead of time but I also like the idea of like it naturally happening and yeah. being like oh, okay now this is your group patron and then you all get this, this benefit to, to uh, signing up with them
1: yeah exactly so, and they also talk about like each faction has like enemies and stuff and other examples of factions that could be fighting against you and what you get if this happens and you have ideas for home bases and complications and uh, missions that you've been on and there's the, they, they flesh it out very well
0: neat uh, we'll of course be having a lot more information about uh, well, all of Eberron rising from the last war uh, soon. Mm-hmm. As we'll you know, we'll delve into uh, the writers and all the lore and stuff behind that. Um, but uh, this show will have more information on that coming up too. Do you have a? I think you have a placeholder name, right? What's the? Yeah, the placeholder?
1: so I think the name is going to be the King's Dark Lanterns, which is the name of the group, the uh, the espionage agency. But mm-hmm. am I I might just shorten it to Dark Lanterns because that's a little easier to market so we'll see The King's Dark Lanterns is the the long title so far
0: got it yeah Um, and uh, we'll tell you when that's going to be coming out but probably in the
1: November-ish time
0: frame yeah I guess early
1: November maybe late October depending on how the edits and filming works out yeah Yeah.
0: so look for that uh, and that will get you prepped for when the book comes out on November 19th Mm -hmm. everywhere yes Uh, so that'll be really exciting awesome Uh, do you want to talk about the cast yet or or you want to wait on that
1: I should probably wait because we haven't 100% locked it down. Okay. So, like, you know, we haven't signed contracts and stuff yet, so sure. I think I should probably wait. But we have a good crew. We have a good crew. I know, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm chomping at the you bit. Know, you know about some of them, so, yeah. It's yeah. going to be exciting. Yeah. Uh,
0: cool. I can't wait. Um, and uh, I love that
1: we're going to be adventuring in Eberron. In yeah, yeah. I'm very excited to start that. Cool. Uh, all right. Well,
0: awesome. Thank you so much for for coming up here and being a part of uh, uh, all of the magic uh, yeah. here that occurs at Wizards of the Coast. It was cool to take you around and see your uh, your eyes and your friends as well. Got to got to uh, yeah. uh, be wide eyed uh, yeah. around these offices.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is such a blast, a dream come true. Honestly, yes. Yeah. Nice.
0: Uh, where can people find out about uh, you personally as well as you know, how to watch uh, Broken Pact and, and all that stuff?
1: Uh, so I'm on all the socials at Double GXG. So that's the word Double, then GXG. Um, and then you can follow Saving Throw Show, which is the Twitch channel that we do stuff on, which is uh, twitch.tv slash Saving Throw Show and on Twitter at Saving Throw Show as well. Um, and then Broken Pact starts September 9th. Uh, that's a Monday at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. And that, that'll be on twitch.tv uh, d d um, and I think that's all the things. Eberron will also be on twitch.tv. Uh, yeah, yeah D as a premiere and then on your YouTubes eventually after that, I assume. Right. Yeah. Yes, it will be. Yeah. And
0: then, of course, you, as you said, The Broken Pact is also all available on YouTube yes. now as well it's as on podcast form.
1: Yes, it's also on podcast form. So, yes, please check out The Broken Pact, which starts very soon.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's not, you know, you don't have to do like 40 episodes, right? Because I think you've got, what,
1: 20 total? For what? Oh, for, oh, for, for, the, per- for
0: the previous two seasons Yes, total. there's only
1: 10, and then there's, a, there's like a Christmas episode that was like a fun one-off. And then I, I actually ran one session of the Rogan Pack Pact as a side story, yeah. which was on our channel on Twitch.tv, which uh, I think was one of the really good ones, too. So please check that out. For so sure. there's about 21-ish episodes, yeah. So not, not too long to catch up. Yeah. yeah,
0: get in there and then get ready for September 9th for yeah. when they're going to be in Avernus. Avernus,
1: welcome to hell. Dun-dun-dun.
0: dun, dun, dun. dun, 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 dun. I'm Very excited for that. All right, well, thank you so much, and uh, we will uh, kick this off with the ending of this episode. <laughs> interview.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: a really great interview
1: with you. It sure was. I, I really had, enjoyed it. Did, was that good? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was the best interview I've ever done out of the three I've ever done. <laughs> Do you feel like more informed about yourself? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Okay, yeah. I did never, you learn I, about you? I learned a little bit more about me than I knew <laughs> because half of what I said was made up, so figure it out. <laughs> Were you playing like two truths and a lie? Uh, Yeah. Can Did you figure out which one was the lie? No. Yeah. See, I'm that good.
0: Now I have to I have to listen back.
1: Listen back to it, yeah.
0: Um. Did you learn anything about uh, Dungeons & Dragons?
1: Uh, Absolutely, yeah. I'm very excited for everything you've announced, and like I said, 2019 seems to be a very busy year for it you guys. It is a busy year. Yeah, um, yeah. There's
0: some things I didn't even get to talk about.
1: Yeah, well, go on. This is the chance.
0: You to go for it. The Essentials Kit. Yes. It is going to be available everywhere on September 3rd. Yeah, that's so coming up. That by the time you listen to oh, this, yeah, this in pl- podcast form, you can purchase it anywhere. So game mm-hmm. stores, You know, if you buy it online, if you go uh, to your big uh, Barnes & Noble type stores, you can get it there. Um, it'll be exciting. It's worldwide. Yeah. Released everywhere September 3rd. I've been playing the Essentials Kit in a couple of different Venues, Yeah, yeah. Here in the office has been one of my favorites because, uh, you know, scheduling games is always hard, even if you're working on Dungeons & Dragons. So Absolutely. I've had... One person show up to uh, uh, to the sessions, and it's easy to play yeah. with one person.
1: I've heard nothing but good things about this box, and there is something very exciting about getting like a, an all inclusive package that includes the dice, the character sheets, everything ready just in the box, ready to go. And it's you could take it home to your dinner table and just play out of the box. Just, yeah. everything's there for you. Yeah, and
0: it's so easy to um, get people into the story because mm-hmm. it's not it, you know the hook is essentially there's uh, uh, for the adventure uh, that is with this. Um, there's a white dragon, and he's marauding, and you don't know uh, when or where he's going to strike, and that's it. That's the only hook you need. Simple. Yeah, yeah. so there's a couple of job board-type quests that you can start out, and those plant some more seeds, and then things kind of grow from there. Yeah. But you don't need a lot of prep. Um, Can I recommend
1: in. one thing if, we ever, if you guys ever do another one of these? Sure. Can you include a VHS tape <laughs> of how to play this? And I would love to produce that because I loved the original from Dragon Strike. And I feel like – that. I mean, and it also has to be VHS – so they have to put the effort in. Nice. They have to find a VCR.
0: I saw. Uh, this is a bit tangential, but related. Um, I was in a. I was in a Target, and they were. You know, they have the DVDs. Yeah. yeah things, and I was like, "What? Stranger Things was being sold in Target? Oh, uh, and huh. it was a DVD of the show. Okay. Which I, I, to my knowledge, is the first time Netflix has done that, where they produced a physical copy of it. But it looks like a VHS tape.
1: Oh, cool. That's That's, awesome. That's where I was like, oh, okay, cool. I would
0: buy this even if I don't. Want to watch it this way? I yeah. just like the the collectible kind of nature of that.
1: That's really cool. Yeah. that's awesome. I love that theming.
0: Yeah. So, uh, but back to your thing. Yes, let's do it. Let's make a VHS tape. Let's do tape. it. Let's do it.
1: Or like a flash drive. Can or you like...
0: actually do it with an Avid? Uh, you know, thing I mean, to create an actual yeah, VHS editing bay. Yeah,
1: you could definitely do it. Yeah, I think so. That's you would what have I to... learned how to how to do
0: editing a video
1: on on what At Avid? No, it was pre Avid. It was oh it the
0: real to real. It was it was, it was a it was no because it was two VCRs. It was two VCRs with a controller that's
1: essentially reel to reel yeah because
0: it's the the vhs's are the reels essentially so yeah that's wow that was my av club that's thing awesome. in like you know
1: 1994 okay 93 yeah uh they don't do that anymore greg they really don't just letting you know it's all digital. so for us to get vhs copies into this would raise the shipping prices and the production like each box would cost 80 dollars.
0: we're talking about a bespoke thing here yeah for sure probably yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah. So let's do it. Let's do it. Let's
0: do it. <laughs> All right. It, it's I'm perfect. in. All right, let's 100%. do it. I'm
1: <laughs> in. Mean, okay, and it also has to be first edition d <laughs> It also has to be first edition. Can maybe, we do that legally? I mean, yeah. Could we release a first edition book in this day and age? Sure. Really? I don't I mean, not here. Let's do it. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> okay. I don't know.
0: I don't know if that would defeat the purpose of making the whole VHS tape, but at least it would be, you know, canon. VHS robust, bust. I yeah. say. I like the idea of creating something as if it was, you know, created in 1989.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. If we didn't do VHS, we could do a disc or just a, a URL for YouTube. Like, go watch this, and then you'll learn how to play, essentially. What's YouTube? Oh. <laughs> we, did we time travel again? You didn't <laughs> tell me? You got to tell me
0: every <laughs> shoot, time. I'm sorry. Yeah, we went,
1: <laughs> got to go back in time. Back in time.
0: Um, but I like, I like that idea, and I think, you know, honestly, what we're doing with uh, streaming and you know, mm-hmm. the shows that you guys are creating... Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of it, we didn't really get to touch on all the other stuff that Saving Throw show oh, yeah. does that is about, you know, dissecting these adventures and, and, and talking about yeah. prep. I love Tom Lommel and all this stuff oh, he yeah. does about, Tom know, does
1: great work, yeah, learning yeah. how to, like, prep as a DM, as a DM, uh, Dungeon Master. Uh, he has lots of information. He does, like, seminars on how to prep as a DM, like, with booklets that are, like, really, really well, like, written and stuff. So if you ever get a chance, like, I think he does one at Game Hole every year, and I think he's going to do it again this year. Um, he does like a workshop for DMs where you come in for four hours and he'll teach you how to do all these things for an adventure. So yeah. Saving Throw does a lot of stuff like that,
0: yeah. And I, I, I love that. And I think essentially, you know, what you guys are doing as well as the greater D&D com- video creation community yeah. is doing what that VHS tape was trying to do. Essentially, back then. yes.
1: There's a lot of more free information now compared to buying a, a board game with a VHS tape. But I just love having... This thing that comes in a box for you. I don't I know. I know,
0: right? But the laptop, it's your box. I now. guess.
1: It's a very expensive box. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Can we give a laptop in every box that we sell? Next,
0: yeah, right. That's next level. A
1: netbook or something with Ooh. one video loaded. <laughs> with a single video yeah. that's a VHS like. Uh, uh, Open this laptop and press play. <laughs> it only has like three charges. You can watch it three times. I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. Well,
0: that's the way to get the youth into Dungeons and Dragons. Yep, but there the youth, is another way. Okay, which is the Dungeons and Dragons Young Adventurers Guide? Yes, that uh, uh, are from 10 Speed Press. Um, Jim Zub was a lot of the writer on that, but it's Stacy King uh, as well as uh, some other thing. But all original
1: artwork. The artwork is gorgeous. I know it's so good. I was. Just, do you listen to script notes? I don't. Oh, wait. You you talked about this a lot on this podcast. That's where I've heard about it. Yeah, but, with
0: John August and yes, Craig Mazin. Yes. They're you know huge writing screenwriters, but they always uh, uh, mentioned D and D randomly, yes. um, and they mentioned the Young Adventurers Guides. They're like, oh, it's probably just pickup art. I'm like, no, it was not pickup art. It it was yeah. all original art that, you know, I think Jim was fighting you know, for them to do it, and and they agreed. And it's a great, you know, um, uh, uh, way in to these Dungeons & Dragons concepts. Kind of similar to this VHS tape that yeah. you keep, we keep referencing, yeah. but it is a way to get those things out there in a mm-hmm. way uh, that young kids can read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a great way to get into that. Right. So there's two out now, Monsters and & Creatures and Warriors and & Weapons. Uh, Dungeons & Tombs is coming soon, November 26th. Um, and uh, that one deals a little bit more with uh, the, kind of the adventuring, dungeoneering type style. that nice. You need to know uh, when you're going underneath there. So uh, I haven't seen any of the interiors yet, but I'm sure there's going to be some ten foot poles and some, nice. some gelatinous <laughs> cube talk, as well classic. as secret doors and like all the stuff you kind of need to know about uh, classic D and D stuff. And then they have one more coming out next year. Um, March 10th, 2020, that's Wizards and Spells, all about uh, uh, the arcane and uh, what you might learn from there. too. I'm glad
1: you guys left something for 2020 because it seems like 2019 (laughs) is everything under the sun at this point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, just you wait. (laughs) There's so much more for 2020. I'm planning
0: it right now. Yay! Oh, my God, there's so much. (laughs) Um, But thank you again for coming in and helping out uh, here on this podcast and introducing yourself.
1: Absolutely. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You do a good job. Thank you oh, thank you so much. I mean, I'm no Shelly,
0: but. (laughs) Uh, Well, who is? Who is, yes. She's got, I mean, such a wonderful vocal talent. She Uh, does, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Do you do do impressions?
1: Uh, I can't. No, I really can't. (laughs) I can do goblin. I can do like monstrous races, but I can't do like people if that's weird, you know? Yeah. So I could do like, I'm a goblin. (laughs) 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 Oh, I don't think Shelly's got a
0: goblin. So now she's got to run for her
1: money. If you ever need a goblin, just uh, hit me up. Sweet. All right.
0: So um, what's the name of your goblin?
1: Uh, zit. Zit. Z-Y-T. Zit. As
0: we're exploring, oh, I forgot to say, and I, I almost missed uh, me. It's very important. I need to promote me. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm at Greg Tito <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram, Greg underscore Tito. Uh, we also want you to find out everything about Dungeons & Dragons at DungeonsAndDragons.com. You can also download Dragon Plus for your phone. Uh, new issues of that come out every two months. Gosh, there's been like three years, two years of, of of free content that is out on Dragon Plus. You can get all of that on DragonMag.com uh, online as well. All that same content, previewing things for uh, uh, Descent into Avernus, uh, as well as Eberron will be coming up the next issue after that. So, a uh, wealth of knowledge there. And of course, uh, Bart Carroll. Uh, leads that up and he does his uh, weekly show on Wednesdays at 1pm uh, so uh, delving into what's in that as well as uh, usually talking to Jeremy Crawford about some fun rule stuff so watch that on twitch.tv slash dnd which of course we record these live uh, most Fridays uh, starting at 12 noon um, so yeah Come on in and pay attention to what's happening here on the Twitches if you're watching, listening to this only in podcast form. But those of you in podcast land, we love you, um, and uh, we're really excited. We don't really make too many calls for this, but um, you know, get a review, tell people about Dragon Talk, uh, uh, get more of the word out there, because we love to get more people into this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do it.
0: All right. I think that's it.
1: Cool. Uh, so,
0: Zit, if you were going to explore this cave, mm-hmm. what would you do?
1: Uh let's see. I would probably just not go in. I'm scared of caves. Uh I live in a swamp under a bridge. Oh no, but I think the bridge has got it's falling! It's no, falling on, on, no. on
0: no. a ah, ah. oh, we're dead.